As always, a welcome to all of you who are joining us this day for worship online. It is good to be together, and it is my privilege to be able to worship with you this week. Our worship today begins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your holy name. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us. And for his sake, God forgives us all our sins. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, our righteous judge, daily your mercy surprises us with everlasting forgiveness. Strengthen our hope in you, and grant that all the peoples of the earth may find their glory in you. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Our first reading today, we will be reading Psalm 98. O sing to the Lord a new song, for the Lord has done marvelous things. God's right hand and God's holy arm have given the Lord victory. The Lord has made known God's victory. God has revealed the Lord's vindication in the sight of the nations. The Lord has remembered God's steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the victory of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody. With trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who live in it. Let the floods clap their hands, let the hills sing together for joy at the presence of the Lord, for God is coming to judge the earth. The Lord will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. And the Holy Gospel comes to us today from Luke, the 21st chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When some people were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, Jesus said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. They asked him, Teacher, when will this be? And what will be the sign that this is about to take place? And he said, Be aware that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name and say, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. 
When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. Then Jesus said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and plagues, and there will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. And this is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. So Jesus' words from Luke today are a piece of what is called apocalyptic literature, and it is found in various places in the Bible. And for many of us, we may hear the word apocalypse or apocalyptic and immediately jump to what the end of the world will look like and be like. However, the word apocalypse does not necessarily mean the catastrophic end of the world. But it actually means to reveal something or to uncover something. And when, it, and when used in the Bible, apocalyptic literature is often about how the divine forces of God ultimately defeat the powers of sin and evil. The last book in the Bible, Revelation, could also have an equally valid title of Apocalypse. So, while it is easy to get caught up in the dramatic and catastrophic things that are being written about in today's text, a good question to ask ourselves instead is what is being revealed or uncovered here? And we also need to ground these verses in their particular context. So, the Gospel of Luke that we have been reading from for quite some time was written down between the years 80 and 90 of the first century, and as in the first century after Jesus died, 80 to 90 AD. And for those early listeners and readers of Luke's gospel, the things that Jesus is speaking about, the destruction of the temple, people being persecuted, and so forth, have already happened. The Jewish temple was destroyed in 70 AD by Rome about 10 to 20 years before Luke was written down, and many of the 12 disciples by the year 80 or 90 had been persecuted and killed already for their faith by the Roman government. So for those early readers and listeners, this was less about a prediction of what was to come, but it was a reminder of their history, and it leads us back to the question, What is being revealed or uncovered for us here? And while there are a variety of revelations I think that we could come up with, for me, one of the most important revelations in these verses is the revealing of Jesus as the Messiah. The one who has come, who is to come, and is already here. But Jesus will not be the kind of Messiah that the people are expecting. So what do I mean by this? Well, the Jewish people were expecting the Messiah to overthrow Rome, 
to re-establish their political power like it was in the times of King David and to remove any and all oppression that the Jewish people were facing. The Messiah was to be a political victor for them. And so to have Jesus talking about the destruction of the temple of continued persecution and absolutely no mention of anything being restored to as it once had been was nothing like what the people were expecting their Messiah to do. The Messiah was supposed to be all-powerful, not suffer and die shamefully on the cross. The Messiah was supposed to overthrow Rome and put Rome in its place, and definitely not suggest that God's love, as Jesus does in other places in the Bible, also extends to the Romans. And the Messiah was supposed to restore worship at the temple and absolutely not talk about its destruction. Jesus was not the Messiah that the people were expecting. And in many ways, still today, Jesus is not the Messiah that you or I expect. Now, all of us have expectations of Jesus, and sometimes our expectations don't fully line up with who Jesus is. In our adult education class, I was telling the folks on Sunday that because I have been mostly raised in the church, I find it really easy to believe and expect that Jesus loves and died for me. And perhaps some of you share in that sentiment. It's not necessarily surprising that Jesus loves you and that Jesus died for you. You have been raised with this knowledge. However, I am regularly surprised that Jesus loves and died for certain other people, too. So what do I mean by that? That's not necessarily a direct comment about anybody listening or worshiping with us. But, for example, we just had a midterm election. And with all of the TV ads, radio ads, things in the mail, phone calls, and even the occasional text messages, I am quick to forget that Jesus loves and died for all politicians in general, but particularly the ones that I disagree with politically, that Jesus loves and died for the fine folks who make all of the ads and the people who make phone calls and send text messages for months on end. In our increasingly polarized political world, it is easy to get caught up in the way ads tell us that our opinions are unequivocally morally superior to those people's. And it can be easy to start to see Jesus as someone who looks and thinks more and more like I do, who sees the world through the same lenses that we do. And politics is just one example. There are other ways that we get caught up in expecting Jesus to think and to feel and to say one thing, just to have it revealed to us that Jesus is doing something unexpected. And dear siblings, this is good news. It is good news that Jesus does what is unexpected, that Jesus' love surprises us. Because it is the reminder of how desperately we need the love of God in Jesus Christ every moment of every day. Because when we are surprised by God's love in Jesus for that person over there, we are reminded that God did the most unexpected thing ever by becoming a human being and by dying on the cross, and we are brought back to a place of awe and wonder about God's love in Jesus for us. 
When you are surprised by Jesus' love for someone else, may it reawaken the comfort and the truth of the gospel in your life, that you are concretely reminded again that Jesus lived and died and rose for you and for all creation. There is nothing about you that surprises Jesus, and he still died for you. And that you are free from the fears of death and evil. Jesus will always do the unexpected thing. Be the Messiah that no one expected. Because this is the kind of Messiah we have. This is the kind of God that we have. One who values God's creation so much that God saw fit to dwell in it as Jesus Christ. And one that loves God's creation so much that God saw fit to die for it, so that in rising we may live lives that are surprisingly free from the fear of death and full of Jesus' love for you. Amen. Our hymn today will be, My Faith Looks Up to Thee. And as always, I encourage you and invite you to sing along.
Living together in trust and in hope, let us confess our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And we are gathered into one together across time and space and place to pray as our Savior taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. And we go in peace to share the good news. Thanks be to God.